my name is Abby, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time to watch this message from the church. We pray that you are highly blessed and encouraged. We would love to connect with you more at our website at www.thechurchokc.com. Liturgy, the word liturgy is from a Latin word, liturgia. All right, I sound smart. I'm from Oklahoma. I'm saying Latin stuff. Litur- liturgia. Got to say it with a little Oklahoma accent. Liturgia. And, uh, and uh, basically what it means is it means public service or it means the work of the people. That, that, that sounds a little different than what we refer to it and we see it right here, the work of the people. And that's what we're going to talk about for the next couple weeks. But, you know, when, when I say liturgy and, and Abby and I, we've had discussions about this. And, and um, you know, she goes, I wish you'd quit using that word. She goes, we're not Catholic. You know, and, and that's honestly, that's what a lot of people think when you say the word liturgy. You know, you think of like, you know, the standing up and the sitting down and the mass and the incense and the I mean, you just all that kind of stuff. And, 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 and a, in a modern sense of the word, liturgy is a fixed set of ceremonies, words, etc. that are used during public worship in a religion. Now, now when I say liturgy and we all kind of think Catholic and we think of all that, I want you to understand that, that every church has its own set of liturgy. For instance, I grew up in, as you guys know, in a Pentecostal church. And, and sometimes the pastor would get up there and say, God is good. And the church would say, and then the pastor would say, all the time. That's a form of liturgy. You know, we all have our sense of of liturgy and, 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 and going way back again, you know, the, 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 the meaning of it is the work of the people. And, and what it was, was it was a call for everybody to enter into worship. For it not to be, for church not to be a spectator sport. For it not to be the pastor up on stage and the worship team up on stage. And like you're going to a concert and everybody just spits back and claps. And we're like, yay, they did a really good job. That is not what our Christianity and that's not what our worship is supposed to be about. Our worship is supposed to be communal. It's supposed to be all of us entering together. And you can see this in some of the more ancient traditions, just in the way that the church, that the cathedrals were set up. You would have the minister, the priest, or the bishop, and he would be off to the side. And the table would be up here. And this would be considered the altar. And the entire thing is the sanctuary. And, 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 and nothing came in between the table and the people. If you notice a lot of times whenever the, the pastor or the priest would be looking and directing, he would be over here facing this way, not facing the people. He'd be facing this way. And even some, he would face the table. And the purpose of that was to be a visual reminder to everybody that this person is not what's important. That the people up on stage singing is not what's important. That what's important is the table. What's important is what's represented here, which is Christ. And so that's why we, as you guys have heard me say before, that's why we put communion and we put the Eucharist at the very center of our service because we want everything else to wrap around that. Everything revolves around what we do right here. 
But obviously times change and things differ a little bit. But all throughout history, and I'm going to give you guys just very brief history on, on, on some of this. There was a lot of liturgical acts that took place in and around the church. And again, I want you guys to remember that liturgy is, is the work of the people. So it was people coming together and taking their talents and taking their gifts and taking their energy and offering it up as a sacrifice of worship to God. And, and we see this in, in artwork. And, and I've got some, some pictures up here I want to show you guys. Some things that I'm sure you're familiar with. Clarissa, let's go ahead and go to the one more slide over there. Right there. How many guys have, have seen this before? Yeah? This particular piece of artwork is called the creation of man or the creation of Adam. Anybody know where it is? Sistine Chapel. Go to the next page or the next. That is the Sistine Chapel. That one little thing that you saw is one of those. Now, Michelangelo was commissioned by the church to paint that as an offering to God. And the purpose of that and why it was on the ceiling was so that people would walk in and their eyes and their, their whole senses would be drawn up to look and to incite worship into people. Now go on. It's not just artwork. It's also uh, sculptures. Go ahead to the next one. Anybody know what this is? It's a naked sculpture. Yeah. It's, uh, this is David. And this was also done by uh, Michelangelo or Leonardo or one of the Ninja Turtles. Um, but uh, I, I, some of you are uncomfortable because he's naked. So let's go to the next one. Um, there you go. That's better. Um, but this was the same, the same reason. This was commissioned by the church in order to draw people back to the word of God and to the stories of God in order to help them find, you know, you look at David. And you know, when you think of David, you think of him slaying Goliath and, and being the king and bringing back the ark and all these great things. And it was supposed to incite worship and feelings of awe and wonder at the things of God. And it wasn't just commissioned artwork, but it was also the cathedrals themselves. Let's go to the next one. You look at this. Isn't this beautiful? You know, you walk into this and they have these high arches and, and all the ceilings are really high. And, and, and the, the literal reason why the cathedrals were built this way was so that when somebody walked in, regardless of what they were facing outside, when they walked through those doors into the presence of God, into the sanctuary, and the incense was burning, as they walked in, it literally kind of transformed ported them out of the earthly realm into kind of the presence of God. There was a sense of holiness, and we've got one more. That's the Cathedral of Notre Dame, or Notre Dame, depending on what side of the pond you're on. I mean, it's just gorgeous, and you just can't help but walk in there and just have a sense of awe about you. Now, we can look at these, and we can say, man, these are wonderful works of art. And even those out, outside the church, even those that don't believe in God and don't know our Savior, they can look and they can appreciate what the, the skill that was, that, that was put into those. But I want us to understand that this, that, that all of the stuff that we looked at is a form of liturgy. It's people taking their talents in order to worship God from who they are. It was the work of those people. Even music, you know, we're familiar with Beethoven, we're familiar with Bach. 
Johann Sebastian Bach, he was employed by churches just to write music around around themes of the Bible. That's how he lived. And some of these things that are celebrated, some of these classical pieces that are celebrated are worshipful pieces. It reminds me of Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24 that says, Whatever may be your task, work at it heartedly from the soul as something done for the Lord and not for men. Knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord and not from men that you will receive the inheritance which is your real reward. The one whom you are actually serving is the Lord Christ, the Messiah. What Paul is saying here is he's saying, look, everything that you do in your life, you should consider it liturgy. You should consider it litur liturgical. You, consider, you should consider it your work offering up worship to the Almighty we can look at the end of Acts chapter 2, which is one of our go-to passages here. Starting in verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling the possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any has need. And listen to this. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, this is what the church is supposed to be. And if I can read that real quick out of a different translation, just one verse there. Uh, Acts chapter 2 and uh, verse 46 in the Amplified Translation says it like this. And I think it's really neat how it puts it here. And day after day they regularly assembled in the temple, and listen to this, with united purpose. They didn't just come. It wasn't just a bunch of people that said, man, we're just going to come and we're going to sit and we're going to do church because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do church. No, it was, they went and they assembled together with the united purpose. They were together. Basically meaning this, that they were coming together, all, each, each one with their own talents, with their own gifting, with their own abilities. Some people have the gift of bringing the pastor a towel. And day after day, they regularly assembled in the temple with united purpose. And in their homes, they broke bread, including the Lord's Supper. They partook of their food with gladness and simplicity and generous hearts, constantly praising God and being in favor and goodwill with all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were being saved from spiritual death. And we get a glimpse at what the church is supposed to be like. And look, 2,000 years have gone and have come and gone, and, and the church, you know, she's, she's changed a little bit in, in good ways and in bad ways. But, but here, I want us to really focus not on what anybody else is doing, but I really want to get to the heart of what the church is supposed to be. And the church is supposed to be every single one of us bringing our talents, bringing our gifts, bringing what we can do and what we can't do and coming together and say, you know what, we're going to unite together with the single purpose of worshiping our God and being the church. And that's it. You know, we don't have to overcomplicate it. You know, I don't have to get up here and talk about, 
you know, a Shekinah Judah lion's roar choir, and, and you know, and we're going to sow a, a Judah seed of faith, or, or any, I don't, I don't have to get into any of that kind of stuff. We have to keep it simple. The world is complicated enough. See, the, 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 the temple is supposed to be a sacred space. It's supposed to be something that, that as much as you go outside and the world changes and, and you never know what's going to happen day after day after day, you can walk into the house of God and you know what you're going to get. You know that there's, that there's like a pause button, that, that your spinning world can stop spinning for just long enough for you to focus on God and regain your bearings. You know, if a plane loses an engine or it starts going down and and they're 35,000 feet or whatever, and it's spinning around, the first thing that the pilot does before he tries to correct anything is to regain his bearings, to try to level out, to quit spinning. Then once he does that, then he can see and he can focus and he can approach on what he needs to accomplish next, on what the next course of action is. And this was why churches were designed the way that they were designed, these cathedrals. It was so no matter what was going on outside in the world, people could walk in and they could escape from that and they could focus back because they had the incense and they had all this artwork and they had all these visual representations of this is who our God is and this is what he's capable of drawing them in. But do you understand, church, that none of that would have happened if the people did not enter in their work as an offering to God? Today, especially in America, our churches lack a lot of power and a lot of sacredness because we've gone from being the work of the people to being the work of a few. It's become a spectator sport where we come in and we sit and we want to go to the churches that have the best kids ministry or we want to have, go to the churches that have the best worship or the best preaching or the best this or the best that. And that's how we choose where we're going to go. But yet we don't bring our talents. We don't bring our gifts. We don't bring what God has given us. We just keep it right about here. What we have to understand tonight is the fact that whenever I say the word liturgy, when we're talking about the work of the people, we have to understand that it started with Christ. To bring us back to the passage that we shared when we were received the sacrament tonight. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, the work of Jesus was his body. The work of Jesus was his blood that was spilt. This is what he brought to us. He opened up the presence of God to us. He gave the ultimate offering, the ultimate sacrifice so that we could enter in into the presence of God and still offer up our sacrifices, offer up our talents, offer up our offerings. So we come together with a united purpose. You bring in your gifts, you bring in your gifts, me bringing our, my gift. And together, something sacred happens. And this is what the beautiful thing about the table is. This is what the beautiful thing is that Jesus called everybody to come. 
There's no rich, there's no poor, there's no popular and unpopular. We all have the same status at the table. We're all on equal ground. So no talent is greater than another talent. And I've said this before, you know, some of us can come in and we can say, well, I can't sing like Abby and I can't play the keyboard like Abby and I can't do this and I can't do that. God didn't call you necessarily to do that. That doesn't mean just because she's up on stage and she's singing and she has a microphone that her gift is more important than your gift. I heard one person say it like this, if God has called you to be a plumber, why stoop to be a king? Did you get that? God has called you to be a plumber, why stoop to be a king? See, what we do is we come in and we say, God, I, don't, I may not be able to sing. I may not be able to give. I may not be able to speak. I may not be able to paint or to sculpt or, or build great cathedrals. But what I have, I give to you. Well, what I can bring, I bring. And, and this is the heart that we live out of. This is where we operate from. We don't operate from this, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. We operate from this, because of this, I can enter in. And when you enter into the presence of God, there's nothing else that you can do but worship. You see, the excuses kind of go by the wayside. You know? The, the, the problems and the issues, when we get into the presence of God, it, you know, we may be walking in and it's like we're walking in, man, I've got this and I've got this going on and, and man, and all this. And we walk into the sacred space where the presence of God is and it goes... Wow. My, my issues compared to God. But the way we make sacred space, and, and understand me, is it's not by the cathedrals, and it's not by the artwork, and it's not by the sculptures. It's the work of the people. It's you taking your talents and what God has given you. It's you taking your talents and what God has given you. And we come together with the united purpose of worshiping our Lord. Entering into the presence of God and saying, this is why we're here and this is the only thing that matters. And when we do that, church, when we do that, the world that's spinning that we can't get our grasp on, it starts slowing down and everything comes into focus at the table, at Christ. Our focus goes from being out here to being here. And when our focus is here, we can make it. We can make it. And if we continue in Hebrews chapter 10 there, it says in verse 23, which we read earlier, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. But it goes on and it says, and let us consider... How to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting the meat together as is a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is a habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day come near. You see, this is where the church has lost it. Okay? This is where we've lost it. We've done a poorful job. Is that when somebody's going through something, we don't walk up to them and say, what do you need? 
how can I help? We walk up to somebody else and say, did you see what they did? Did you hear what they said? Or somebody comes in and maybe they're not dressed the way that we want them to be dressed and we go, how can they walk in here into the holy of holies, into the presence of God dressed like that? That's not what the Bible is saying and telling us to do. It's saying we stir one another up in love. That means if you're going through something, I put my arms around you and I say, you know what, I'll walk through it with you. Well, you may get a little dirty. That's okay. That's okay. I got big boy pants and I got big boots on, all right? I can make it. I'll walk through it with you. And that's finding somebody who's sitting, who's sitting and comes every week and they're not doing anything and saying, man, well, well, what can you do? Because I'm, I'm the firm believer that anything can be worshipped to God. You know, maybe there's somebody who, who has like 24 black belts in, in, in karate or something. Why not come and, and, and do free karate lessons and free Bible studies, you know, for, for the kids who, who, who don't have, uh, who, who, whose parents can't afford it? Well, well, maybe you're really good at math. Well, why not be a tutor? Well, I, I, I just, I'm not that smart. I can't do anything. Can, can, you, can you clean a bathroom? Can you, can, you, can you broom? Can you sweep? Can you do something? Can you pray? See, we all have these gifts and we all have these talents. And we all have these things that we can come in and that we can, we can do the work that God has called us to do. We can bring liturgy in its truest form back to the house. And when we're all doing this, when we're all coming in and, and my focus isn't over here on what I'm going through and Abby's focus isn't over here on what she's going through and Scotty's focus isn't on what he's going through but yet we walk in and we say, okay, I'm leaving that because now it's time to worship. Now it's time to take everything that God has given me and offer it back to him as a sacrifice. This is what it means to do and to have to do the work of the people. This is what, see we don't have to overcomplicate it and it doesn't have to be these messages that make us stand up and shout because to be honest, it's not about the messages, it's about the heart of the people. I love, I'm going to skip through, but if we go to the very last verse of Hebrews chapter 10, which is verse 39. It says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So it goes through and it talks about spurring one another on. And then honestly, it takes a little dark turn and it talks about hey, if we go on deliberately sinning and, and how the judgment is already upon us. And it goes through all this and it says, but remember back of, of all the good times and as it goes through all this stuff. And then it ends by saying, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. The reason we don't shrink back and destroy and become destroyed is because we're not focused on our issues. We're not focused on the stuff that we're going through. We're focused on Christ. See, in our lives, there has to be a filter that takes place. Where we stop looking at the world through our eyes and we put on the filter of Christ and the filter of his blood and the filter of his body and we look at everything through that because I promise you, if we do that, church, it changes the way that we look at our own lives but more importantly, it changes the way that we look at other people. 
The Amplified Translation puts 23 and 24 like this. So let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess and our acknowledgement of it. For he who promised is reliable, is sure, and faithful to his word. And let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. And so we come back and I'm talking and I've, you know, I've showed you guys this great artwork and all this wonderful stuff and, and some of you are like, man, I wish I had that to offer, but I have nothing. I don't have a job. I don't have talents. There's just nothing that I can give. You know, I don't have, I, I don't have the resources to even show up and teach a class or do anything like this. So this is what the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I love how the message translation puts it. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. And you'll be changed from the inside out. Now, now see, this is what we're talking about here. God doesn't like excuses. Okay? It, this isn't one of those things to where we get up there and, 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 and we're standing before God and, and God, I would have served you more and I would have given more and I would have done more, but so-and-so said some really bad things about me and my back hurt, you know, because I was in, you know, I, I, I heard it falling off a ladder and, 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 you know, we can go and we can enter in all these excuses and all these reasons why, but God says, no, no, that's, that's, that's not. You know what I've given you. What have you done with it? What have you done with it? And, and, and to be honest, it doesn't matter if you are living or resident at the Jesus house or if you just recently got out of prison. None of that matters. And that's not an excuse that's acceptable to God. Because remember, at the table, you're on the same level ground as me. We're all on the same equal ground and we may have different talents and we may have different gifts and we may have different abilities but not one is more important than the other you can be the brain of a body but if you don't have any legs and don't have any arms that brain ain't gonna do you a bit of good we all have a purpose we all have a place in the house of God And the work of the people changes us 
from the inside out. The liturgy of our lives change us from the inside out. Let me read this again. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. And, 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 and again, get this. Fix your attention on God. Whether it's the artwork or the cathedrals or the sculptures or the music or you're getting up and going to work, you're eating, you're sleeping, your everyday ordinary life, your purpose for being on this earth is to embrace what God is doing in you and through you. And when we do that, it sticks out. When we do that, we can't just adjust to the culture. We can't just fit into the culture without thinking because it doesn't line up. But yet when we bring all of our gifts and all of our talents together to be the church, it's just like these great cathedrals where you walk in and, 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 and it's like you're transported from this earthly realm into something different. Whenever we're offering up our gifts to God, our attention is on God. And other people's attention becomes fixated on God. You know, I love those old cartoons of like Superman or like, um, uh, what was the little dog? Or a little super dog. What is it? Underdog. underdog. Yeah, 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 you know. And, and you would always see like these people standing on the street and they'd, they'd be looking up. You know, they'd be looking for them. And, and I've seen practical jokes and stuff on, online where a whole bunch of people are just looking up and other people are walking by and they, they see these people looking up and what do they do? They look up to see what they're looking at. This is what we do when we take what God has given us and we offer it back as a sacrifice. People see us focusing on God and then what do they do? Well, why are you doing that? Because God has blessed me. <laughs> You know, because this is my way to worship him. Well, well why are you worshiping him? Because <laughs> the body and the blood. <laughs> I mean, because I have nothing and he died for me and he gave me. And, and, and man, he's worth worshiping. And then when, when, when you're doing that, you're doing that, you're doing that, you're doing that. And we're all doing that. And we all come together in unified purpose. People walk in the doors and it's like, woo. You get like the Holy Ghost goosebumps because everybody's attention is fixed not on their problems and not on the person on stage or the people singing or the lights or the smoke or any of that kind of stuff. But everybody's attention is fixed on God. So when people come in, they're not looking at the lights. They're trying to fixate on God. And when we fix on God, all the world that's spinning on around us, everything slows down and everything that's out of focus comes in focus through the blood of Christ Jesus. And that's what it means to be the church. And that's what liturgy is. It's the work of the people. It's a public service. It's where we come together and we serve to bring the attention, the focus back on God. We were at a conference, and Abby, you and the band can come back up. We were at a conference just a, a month or so ago. 
And one of the speakers there was talking a lot about this and about sacred space and about how just, you know, we've gone from these great cathedrals that, that really draw the attention up to God to these rooms where we draw the attention to the people on stage. And, and this is what he said. This was his quote. He said, we've traded the blood, the body. We've traded the resurrection. We've traded the crucifixion for lights, camera, action. When we move to Sunday mornings down here, we're going to be in a building, and it's just a building. And look, if we had the money to build some great grand cathedral, and man, I, believe me, I would. But it's not the cathedral that is the liturgical aspect. It's the work and the heart and the passion that was put into it. And where some people are artists, and some people are sculptures, and some people are builders. You may be a prayer. You may, your gift may just be a smile to where you stand at the door and as people walk in, man, your smile just overwhelms them. But the fact is this. Church is not a spectator sport. This isn't a concert. This isn't an OU football game we all cheer wildly as they beat the Longhorns or the Cowboys it's not church sacred space us coming together has to be different it's not a give me give me give me give me give me I want these songs I want it to be this long I want the pastor to talk about this saying, God, I'm fixing my attention on you. And whatever I have to give, I'm going to give. However little, however much, whatever I can bring, I'm going to worship you with it. When we do that, it'll take us back to how the church started, which is Acts chapter 2. And I'll close by reading this again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They had a unified purpose. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread of their homes, they received the food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, this is a very simple, very accurate model of what the church is supposed to be. We devote ourselves to God and we devote ourselves to one another. Inside and outside. The church doesn't exist inside the walls. This church is not about you. If you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, this church ceases to be about you because you're no longer the mission field. You are now the missionary. Mom has said many times at the building that we're building down there that we're building God's hospital. The hospital wasn't built for the doctors. It wasn't built for the nurses. It was built for those that were sick. 
devote ourselves together to the teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And as we do that, as we get unified, awe comes upon every soul because we're fixated on God and many wonders and signs will be done. And all who believed will be together and we'll have all things in common. That's what the church is supposed to be. It's not complicated. It, it, it doesn't take four years of Bible college to understand what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be us offering up our bodies as a living sacrifice, taking our ordinary, normal days, coming together and focusing on God. And that is liturgy. That is the work of the people, and that is what we're called to do. But it starts with Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around. If you've been around our church at, for any amount of time, you know one of the things that we say continuously is that this starts with God and it ends with God. That God isn't something that inserts himself into our time stream, into our lives. But we insert our lives into the everlasting, unending presence of God. Like the writer of Hebrew tells us, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us, the curtain that is through his flesh. The greatest liturgical act that ever happened was our great high priest offering up the sacrifice of his body and his blood to make a way for us. And that gift is available tonight. And if you've walked in here tonight and you say, you know what, Brian, my relationship with Jesus is not what it needs to be. You've never accepted Christ or you have, but you're not living the life that you need to live. I want to give you an opportunity tonight to fixate your eyes on Him through His blood and through His body and receive that gift of eternal life that He's offering to you tonight. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, tonight I just want to make things right with my Savior. There's a hand. There's another. Okay, you can put them down. In just a minute, I'm going to just ask you to come forward and just find a place at the alt this altar and we're going to pray for you. Before I do, I want to open up the altars for another group of people tonight. If you'd say, you know what, Brian, I have not gotten involved and I have not. And, and look, I'm not saying with our church here, with this little community of believers, if God is calling you somewhere else, that's fine. I just want you guys in the big C church. I want you guys planted in the church and offering up your lives as a sacrifice in whatever way and as an offering in whatever way. But you say, you know what? I've been a spectator in this for too long and I want to step out of the bleachers and onto the field and I want to offer up, even if it's something little, I want to offer up what I have to the body of Christ and, and let that be my work. That, that helps fixate people's eyes on Christ. If, if that's you, whenever I count to three, I want you to come find a place that says the altar too. So those are our two kind of invitations tonight. And if you don't come up, I ask that you just stay in a reverent 
tone while we're praying and and if you'd like to you can sing as Abby leads us but when I count to three if you need to make things right with Christ if you raised your hand or if you just want to really get more into God and, and offer up your life and your talents and what you do have to offer to God tonight when I count to three if you just come find a place at this altar one two three would you come